0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk and today's topic is six accounts everyone should have. And with me today, I have financial planner, Julie Chadwick. Welcome, Julie. Welcome. Hi, Mary. (laughs) So this morning, what we're talking about is the six accounts that everyone should have. And we have a bonus account that we'll talk about at the end, but that only applies to some people. And when we're talking about these accounts, there's kind of a reason that we think that these accounts are good for everyone to have. And as we go through them, I think you'll start to understand why we're saying what we're saying. So... We're going to start out with some of the basics, and it might sound basic to you, but when we talk about the reasons why it's important to have and kind of the percentages of people who actually have these things, it might be kind
1: of eye-opening for you. A lot of times people think that they can just have a couple different accounts and that's going to cover everything. Mm -hmm. But some different accounts might utilize and be more beneficial in other ways too.
0: Right. There's pros and cons of different kinds of accounts and and, and different usages for them, and that's why we've come up with this list of six. So the first one we're going to talk about is an easy one to think about. It might seem basic, but we think everyone should probably have a checking account. And what's crazy is, according to... An FDIC survey, 7% of Americans, which is 9 million households, don't actually even have a checking account. Right. And you find that more and more these days where they're not having checking accounts. Right. You know, my kids balk at that. So I'm guessing that a large percentage of that is the millennial generation that mm-hmm. don't have a checking account. But we find sometimes when we're doing financial planning that people just aren't running with them. Mm-hmm. So they don't utilize them in the, the way or they are they just run with a savings account. But the problem with not having a checking account is that it's kind of hard to pay your bills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And with everything online anymore these days, they make it actually more efficient to have through a checking account.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, another thing that people do sometimes instead of having a checking account is they're carrying large amounts of cash or they're hoarding cash in, like, a safe in their basement or something like that. But it it's not a good idea to do that. There's too don't many, recommend. Yeah. Natural disasters can happen that could harm your safe. And you, of course, could be robbed or lose your wallet or your purse or something like that. So it's not a good idea to carry a large amount of money. But your checking account really should be thought of, like, as the grand central station of your transactional money business
1: right all your sources of income go in and all your expenses go out it's a good way to track it and check some balances
0: exactly and a lot of institutions have free checking services so many places you can have a checking account that has no fees and you can usually link up your checking account pretty easily to different personal finance software to be able to track and understand what your money and your spending patterns are.
1: It also helps you stick to a budget if you've got the you know the money going in and the money going out. It's a way to balance yourself out. So mm-hmm. making sure that you're getting your bills paid, you've got your expenses. You can set it up where you know you have a certain amount going into savings and in the mm-hmm. different accounts that we'll get to. Now most of our listeners
0: are more established. They're in their later years. They're either either entering retirement or pondering entering retirement and things like that. So while, of course, your checking account is something that is used to pay bills, you also can use your checking account in a way as uh, an emergency fund source of holding the money, or you can find one that is called rewards checking. So I literally was just talking with somebody yesterday, and they have um, a $20,000 amount that they always carry in their checking account as kind of the base amount, and then their revolving checking is is kind of above that. And the revolving checking is just their day-to-day bill paying, but this $20,000 amount they keep in there because this checking account actually pays 2% on the first $20,000 that they have in that account. So that's where they want to position their emergency money because it's more than they can get at a rate in a savings account. Right. So they do it that way, which is smart. It makes sense to be able to find rewards checking like that and to be able to get that higher percentage on the the first chunk of money that stays in there
1: that's exactly where we say people should keep their emergency fund or their emergency money is right in the bank where it's easy accessible there's Mm -hmm. no penalties for getting it out you want to have quick access to it and to take advantage of extra savings on that and earning interest on that is even smarter
0: absolutely all right so we're going to go ahead and roll into the other kind of bank account which you might guess is a savings account (laughs) So it's an easy segue for that. Now, your checking account is usually something that's likely to come with unlimited transactions. Your savings account might have a more limited amount of transactions each month that you can do. But what the savings accounts are typically used for are two things. One, just to stash some cash for your short-term goals. Like, you need to save money for a down payment on a car, or you got to stash some money for Christmas, or something like that. planned expenses that, that are going to be coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, vacation money, something like that. Like, there's great different programs at banks that are holiday clubs, or vacation clubs, or things like that, where people are putting 50 or or $100 a month out of each paycheck. And you can have multiple savings accounts for these different purposes if you are someone who really likes to see the money separated and be able to say this account is for this and I have exactly this many dollars in it. it's
1: so what a lot of people don't know or realize is that different from a checking account which has the unlimited transactions is that you can actually only have six withdrawals per month and that's because it's in a savings account. Some of them mm-hmm. have that. So I know that was an eye opener for my son who when he got a letter <laughs> <laughs> because he was basically using his savings account as kind of the checking Like the so, checking account where yeah. he was doing
0: all his debit. Doing everything right at like- that, so you mm-hmm. said,
1: it's my money. Why can't I do that? So that's what a checking account's for.
0: <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So in your savings account, or if you have a rewards checking account, that is, again, where you would want to keep your emergency money. And a good rule of thumb for emergency money purposes is about three months worth of your expenses, your net expenses, which can be a big number for people. You know, most people are spending somewhere between five to eight thousand dollars a month on normal expenses, which means your emergency money should be somewhere between like fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollars, and that is a number that not a lot of Americans actually carry that much cash. In or to be savings.
1: able to leave it in there and to not touch it, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. for
1: just for emergencies.
0: <laughs> that takes some discipline. Yep. <laughs> Now, there's good charts outlining. There's good Google things that you can do to try to figure out which banks are going to pay the best amount of money on your cash stash that you have in your savings or in your checking. And we definitely encourage people to use those. But we do think that it's a good idea to separate out your savings and checking and have both of those type of accounts. Now, the third account that we want to talk about is that we do think it's a good idea for people to have some type of credit card account. Now, Most Americans have two to four credit cards. And I will tell you that from doing a lot of credit research and things like that, that two to three credit cards is actually the ideal amount of credit cards that somebody should have. And the reason that that's ideal is because it gives you an opportunity to actually manage your credit.
1: Without hurting your credit. Right. If you get more than that or a little more excessive than that, you tend to have higher balances in that, and then that does actually negatively impact your credit score.
0: Yeah. So there's no limit to how many credit cards you can have. It's just going to be limited by the institutions offering the credit. But if you can keep your credit cards to two or three credit cards, here's the best way to use them. The best way to use them is to not ever charge up more than about 30% of your available credit. So, if you have a $10,000 credit limit, as long as you never actually charge up more than $3,000 on that credit card, then you are maximizing your credit score potential. But when you consistently charge up to say, 50% of it or 75% of it or even max it out what that is is a red flag to the institutions that says you're living above your means because you have to max out your credit cards in order to live the lifestyle that you have. Now if you max it out and then pay it off every month that's a little bit of a different story Um, then they can see that you're using it in a revolving type of way.
1: But when they see the high balances and they're staying there, that's where it's negative.
0: Right, exactly. So your best credit building opportunity is to have three credit cards that you never charge more than 30% of the available balance on.
1: And you're paying them off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you're paying them off every single month. Now, if that's not something that is within your your ability to do, then you have to do your best to try to pay them down as, as fast as you can and avoid some of the high finance charges that come along with those.
1: Because like we said, there's no limit to how many cards. And trust me, you'll get card offers all the time. Wherever you go, every place you shop, they're throwing cards at you. So. Exactly.
0: Now, one thing that is problematic sometimes with credit cards is, if If you're somebody that's traveling overseas, then a lot of times there's extra fees to do conversion on those, and sometimes it's best to just utilize your credit card to actually get cash in the foreign country, or to trade in cash that you've taken out just from your savings or checking account and convert it into the currency at a currency exchange place. There's definitely going to be fees for anybody who's exchanging currency, but oftentimes if you're traveling it can be better to do it with cash purchases for the smaller stuff because your credit card will charge you a conversion fee it's kind of high for every single transaction that you do so they kind of get you in that part yeah right but where your credit card is good is that so many of them now offer um, cash back rewards or travel rewards or something like that like our i love to read (laughs) And so our company, Corporate Credit Card, is a Barnes & Noble credit card. <laughs> and so every time that we get up to charging on that, which is, you know, all the time, then <laughs> 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 then I get gift cards for free books at Barnes & Noble. And then it's like a party when I go because <laughs> I get all these free books and I love it. <laughs>
1: Using your cards, credit cards online is also a good safety feature instead of using debit cards because a lot of times yeah. when you are shopping online, if you get hacked or someone steals your identity, you're safe with a credit card.
0: Now, anything that you're going to be doing online with any of these accounts, I certainly would recommend that you have some type of identity theft protection. No doubt about it. Now, we don't necessarily have a service that we highly recommend. There's lots of good services out there,
1: but boy, in this day and age, people ought to have that. Definitely something we need to look into.
0: Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, And today we're talking about six accounts everyone should have. We started out by covering your checking account, your savings account, and having a credit card account. And now we're going to dive into some things that are accounts that we think people should have. But they're more when you get to be a little bit more
1: established in life. Right. We're talking about your retirement accounts. That's right.
0: So we're going to start there. Everyone should have a retirement account.
1: <laughs> for sure. <laughs> a retirement account is a tax advantage savings account, basically, for you for your planned in retirement.
0: Right. And so why would you want to have a retirement account? I would say that the main reason that you want to have a retirement account is so you actually don't have to work your entire life. (laughs) (laughs) So you can say that I'm going to retire someday. That's right. And, you know, Social Security by itself is just not going to be enough to get people through a comfortable retirement. Social Security alone will set you up to be living in a poverty level. So in order to have a lifestyle in retirement that's not at the poverty level, then you would need to have a retirement account that you're saving something into. So, I mean, when you think about Social Security, the average payout is pretty low.
1: The average payout for Social Security is about $1,000 per month. Yeah. So if you are thinking that you're going to be able to live on $1,000 a month if you only plan on Social Security, that's really not going to cut it.
0: It really isn't. Okay, so let's talk about retirement accounts for just a couple of minutes. The benefits of our most retirement accounts is that you're saving taxes on the money now. And if you're saving Money on your taxes. If you don't have to pay taxes with that money, it lets the amount that you would have paid in taxes sit in an account and grow for you. So you're earning money or growing, you're earning growth hopefully on the money that would have gone to pay taxes. And that's its biggest advantage. It's a bigger pool. Earning for you. Right. Now, it's going to be taxable.
1: When you take it out. (laughs)
0: Exactly. The tax man cometh at some point in time. (laughs) That was a lesson my dad taught me early on, and he liked to say it just like that The tax man cometh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You can't get away from him.
0: No. In fact, I learned about the tax system when I was young from Halloween because we would go trick-or-treating and come home with our big bags of candy and be so excited. And the first thing my dad would say is, the tax man cometh. (laughs) And the tax he would take would be his favorite candy bars right out of our little stash of Halloween candy. (laughs) He was your
1: tax man.
0: (laughs) He was the tax man. So I learned that sometimes I didn't like that tax man too well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Another benefit of those retirement accounts is that companies match and you get extra benefits by having those.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So free money. Who doesn't like free money right
1: you always need to take advantage of that a lot of people a lot of times we see that aren't taking advantage of the maximum match that companies offer through their retirement plans Mm because they're usually offered through work
0: now, there are, is another type of um, tax strategy in retirement accounts that is used in something called Roth IRAs. Roth IRAs is after-tax money, and it grows tax-deferred, meaning you don't pay taxes on the growth. And as long as you follow the rules and take it out once you're 59 and, a half, and it's been in there for at least five years, then it comes out tax-free.
1: So you do actually get away from the tax man in on that one. There you go.
0: That's right.
1: It's the one loophole. <laughs>
0: So there's really three kinds of money. There's tax-free money, which is my favorite kind. Absolutely. There's tax-later money, which is my second favorite kind. And then there's tax-now money. And so anything that you can do to shift towards tax-later or tax-free is definitely going to be in your favor. No doubt about it. So it's very important for everyone to have a retirement account. All right. The next type of account that we want to talk about is a brokerage account. And a brokerage account is an investment account that is going to be for money that's after tax, after you've received it in your paycheck. If you have saved your emergency fund and you're living a lifestyle where you have extra money each month or you have come into a chunk of money, a brokerage account is a great way to invest that money to try to earn something with your after-tax money or the cash you already have in your pocket.
1: The taxes you will pay on that money is just on the earnings, and you do pay that every year.
0: Right, exactly. So when you think about kind of the order of money, first you definitely want to max out your retirement plan, at the very least, to get the full match. But then you have to decide if you want to continue to max out a retirement plan, or once you have maxed that out, a brokerage account is a great way to go. One of the nice things about the brokerage accounts is you don't usually have restrictions on when you can access that money. So you can access it at any time. There might be commissions or sales charges that you're paying in a brokerage account. There might be Um, something that you're paying when you put your money into it or when you're taking your money out of it. But for a large degree, they're liquid and accessible and you can get at that money if you need to before retirement age.
1: So it's just a good option instead of sitting it in the bank if you already have your emergency money sitting Mm -hmm. in there. It's a good way to get that money growing for you.
0: Right, exactly. So it's also nice because it's unlimited in how much you can put into there. So if you're somebody who's one of our listeners who is thinking about early retirement, then a brokerage account is actually something really important for you to be paying attention to. Because a lot of your retirement accounts are going to be tied up until 59 and a half. And let's say you're someone who's fortunate enough to be able to retire maybe at 53 or 54, then you have to have a stash of money that you have saved outside of those retirement accounts that you can actually access. Because
1: you're going to want to use that money before you actually access the retirement money. Because right. otherwise you'd be penalized on that.
0: Exactly. Okay, the next type of account, the final one that we want to talk about of our six, is a health savings account. And a health savings account is a special account that allows you to pay for qualified medical expenses on a pre-tax basis. Now, to be eligible for this account, you have to first be enrolled in an HSA, which is a high deductible health plan. You
1: can... Yeah, usually offered through the employers.
0: Yeah. Now, some people, though, if they're not employed or if they don't have great coverage through work, you can buy a high-deductible health plan yourself, depending on the state that you live in and what's available where you are. But high-deductible health insurance plans are ones that reduce the monthly premium, so your, your cost monthly isn't as high, and then you take kind of the difference and you throw it into this health savings account. And really the beauty of them is that your contributions are deductible in your tax return. And that's happening even if you don't itemize deductions. Now, with new tax laws and things out there, that could that change. change. Yep. But it grows tax-deferred, so it's one of those tax-later sources.
1: We <laughs> always like that.
0: And it comes out tax-free if you actually use it for qualified medical expenses.
1: So with the rising cost of health insurance and all the expenses that we're paying is a way to actually earn some money, get deductions on that for something that you're spending money on anyway.
0: Right. So depending on your tax bracket, it could be saving you between 20 to 30% on medical expenses that you have. So if you're eligible for it because you have a high-deductible health plan, then an HSA account is a really strong account to be having. All right, now we promised you that there would be a bonus account. And the bonus account, if it's applicable to you, would be having a 529 account. So if you have kids or grandchildren and you want to help them through college, then a 529, which is a tax-favored way of saving for college, is a great way to actually set them up to be successful financially when it comes to school costs. Right, and you can
1: use these 529 plans for... College costs, higher education, graduate school, vocational schools, even some foreign schools. And the new tax laws this year
0: allow you to use them for... Um, education before college if it's a private school or say like a Catholic school. right? So hopefully this has been helpful. One of the things that we want to tell you is that if you have a brokerage account we are giving away a free analysis for that. So if you'd like us to take a look at your brokerage account and tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly of what it's invested in, (laughs) then you can reach out to us through com. talk to Julie or talk to Kelsey or talk to I and uh, we'd be happy to take a look at that and tell you what we think all right so these six accounts that everyone should have checking account savings account credit card account retirement account brokerage account and if applicable health savings account and as a bonus a 529 account (laughs) (laughs) so thanks for listening to money guide with mary Stirk
1: expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.